You've been looking forward to this night for a long time. You finally get a break from all the hard work that you've been doing. You're sitting around a table with what have now become your best friends and your greatest mentor. After three years of being constantly in motion, it's kind of nice to be able to sit back and have a meal together. And plus, this is a, a holiday, so it's been on your calendar for a long time. The food is good. It's passable. The wine is okay. But the conversation and the company is what really makes this a special night. And you don't want it to end. But as the hours go by and as it, you look out the window and it's getting darker and darker outside and you look over and your buddies across the table are stifling yawns and, and you kind of are too. You don't want this night to end, but it seems like it might sometime soon. And so like a little boy at his first sleepover, you are determined that you are not going to be the first one to go to bed. You want to keep this moment in your hands for as long as you can. But then the vibes change. He comes up to you and his attitude, his emotions are extremely different. He's already changed back into his dinner clothes. His hands are dry and your feet are dry as well. But you look at him and his eyes are wide now and they're darting and you look at his hands and they're shaking. He comes up to you and he says, you, you, and you, he points at you, come with me. That sounds urgent. It seems like this isn't a joke. You go with him. You take just a couple steps out of that upper room that you were in. You find yourself in a garden, the one they call Gethsemane. He still seems like he's a little upset. So you're watching him. You're waiting to see what happens next. And then he turns to you and he says, I want you to stay right here while I go off and pray. Now, this was nothing new. You knew that he was a, an avid prayer. You knew that he liked to pray out loud. And you knew that he also liked his privacy. So he's got obviously going to go off to a spot where he can pray out loud. But he doesn't want you to hear him. He wants to be able to say what's on his heart, but he doesn't want you to hear it. Now you start to wonder why that is. He wants you there. He wants you present, but he wants to be by himself. You can tell that there's a lot going on on his heart and in his mind. You're not sure what to make of it. So he says, stay here while I go and find a place to pray. And you say, sure. And you find yourself under an olive tree as he walks off. And you're standing under that olive tree and you're looking around at how well-kept Gethsemane is and you're impressed even in the pitch black night sky. You can't see hardly anything, but you can tell people care about this garden. It makes you think about gardens in general. It makes you think about planting your own garden sometime. If you would ever live in one spot long enough where you actually could, you'd like to plant a few things, maybe your own olive tree, maybe enjoy your own ripe, ripe harvest of olives and what you wouldn't give for one right now. Too bad it's not in season. Now you're leaning against the olive tree. And you keep thinking about gardens. You keep thinking about gardens in the scriptures. You remember that when God created the heavens and the earth, one of the first things he did was plant a garden. And in that garden, he planted human beings. He took Adam out of the dust of the ground. He took Eve out of a rib from Adam and he, he made them cultivate it. But it seems like as soon as God gave control to any sort of responsibility to Adam and Eve, they messed it all up, just like human beings do. You wonder if that joy that you seek 
in planting your own garden, in, in planting a few seeds and watching a sproutling come to life and eventually become a tree, how happy that would make you feel. You wonder if it maybe have ruined that for God who planted us and what have we yielded to him. But by the time that thought crosses your mind, your head is already on the grass and your eyes are very heavy. So very heavy. And then you hear his voice, abrupt, agitated, irritated. Could not you keep watch for just one hour, he says. You fell asleep. You weren't trying to. When he said, stay here and keep watch, you had all the good intentions in the world. But don't you understand, Jesus? We just had a full meal. We just had a long walk. It's three in the morning, practically, as far as how you feel. It makes some sense that you would fall asleep. I mean, come on. But Jesus is not interested by your excuses. He's disappointed in what you let happen. It's making you think of the other promises you've made in your life, promises that you ended up not keeping. Promises that you started off with all the best of intentions, and you thought when you made that promise that you were going to keep it. I mean, who makes a promise with the intention of not keeping it? But somehow things just went wrong. Promises like, I'll always be there for you, but now you hardly talk. Promises like, I will love you every day as long as we both shall live, but sometimes it's kind of hard. Promises like, I will never do that ever again. Promises like, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And you know why he's disappointed. You wonder if that's how God feels about you. You wonder if God thinks that you're just a a big disappointment who can never follow through on anything that he asks of you. And now you're not having fun anymore. The party is over. Eventually you're walking back to the big group and you talk to one of your mates, one of them who is close enough to hear what Jesus was praying. And he heard Jesus say the words, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now what's this about a cup? You just had dinner, the wine's gone, you didn't have very much to begin with, but you know that Jesus uses this word to talk about something more, to talk about his destiny, to talk about his mission, to talk about what he came here to do. You know that he's talking about something packed. And this is starting to help you understand why he got so upset, starting to help you understand why he got so agitated, why he was so nervous. But you don't quite ever put it together until decades later. Now you get it. Now you understand. Now you think back to that moment and you remember it clear as day because you realize now what was really happening. He was about to die. And he knew it. He was about to drink a cup prepared for him. And it wasn't a whiskey old-fashioned sour. It was a cup of suffering. Because what was in that cup that Jesus was looking at in front of him was all of God's wrath against every single sin that anyone has ever committed. So you can understand he was a little bit anxious that night. And because he's, because he's God, he could just walk away. He could just step off of, the, off of the track. He could just do something else, let you burn 
for your sin, but because he's truly human. And at this time, not making use of his divine power, he felt scared. He wasn't asking for an out, but he was desperate. He said, is, if it's possible, take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but as, as you will. But Jesus knew what you now know. It was not possible. There was no other way. There was nothing more that Jesus came for than to live for you and die for you. Jesus came not to just suffer with you. He came to suffer for you. And now you've seen it. You were there. When, Jesus, when you saw Jesus willingly take that cup and gulp it down every last ounce, so you know he was committed to you because it was not possible for him to give up on you. Not possible for him, to, for him to be anything else than God's divine answer for the big disappointment of humankind's sin. Not possible that Jesus would, would not forgive you of everything, including all those promises you made to him and to people and to yourself. You're forgiven because he drank the cup. You understand this because later on in your life, you wrote these words. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. So now you get it. Now you get what he was upset about. Now you get what he was about to do. And now you get what he really means by those three little words, he spoke to you when he woke you up. Watch and pray. Watch. Keep a sharp eye out. Watch yourself. Watch yourself that you're not putting too much confidence in your ability to follow through with your promises. Watch yourself because you know by now that the devil and your own sinful flesh, they have much more stamina than you do. And you will run out of energy far before they do. You will fall asleep when they're testing you. Watch when the devil is sneaking in there, just like at night when you start to feel a little tired. Watch when the devil has even started. Watch when you're trying to stand on your own two feet before God. And pray. Pray like he did. Talk to your God. Bear your soul before God. Be overwhelmed with God. Don't pretend that you can stand on your own strength. Take all of your anxiety, cast it on God, because he cares for you. Watch and pray. Rely on God. Trust on God, because it's his strength that will put you through, not yours. And he wants to help you. He wants to save you. Watch and pray to the God who loves you so much that he sacrificed his own son for you. And that son willingly drank up a cup of suffering so that you know that if you have one in front of you, it's never going to be as bad as his was. And you can pray like he prayed. If it's your will, God, take this away from me. If it's your will, God, save me from this test, from this cup. But if not, be here with me. 
and help me accept it. And you know that he will. Because Jesus drank the cup for you, you know that he has you. Amen. We turn back to page 247. 